0: are considering divorce one of the things you need to know is that you have options in the divorce process here with me today is jennifer Leister to talk about the role of the mental health professional in the collaborative divorce process Jennifer is a licensed professional counselor. She is an author and also she's the owner of Jennifer Leister and Associates, a practice here in the North Texas area um, that helps families work through many of the issues that they face when confronting divorce. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here again today. Thank you for having me back. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation last time when we were talking about um, the impact that divorce can have on children. And one of the things that you mentioned was the fact that really is conflict is what determines, you know, ultimately the outcome for children and families, whether they're getting a divorce or not. Um, And certainly when you are working with families who are facing divorce, um, you see the impact that conflict has firsthand on children. One of the options that we've gotten to work together before um, is in the collaborative divorce process. Tell us a little bit about what your role is in the collaborative divorce process.
1: So, yes, I would love to. Um, Inside collaborative divorce, there are two different roles that a mental health professional can um, utilize. There is the neutral MHP, mental health professional, and that person is a team member there to work with the husband and wife, um, the participants um, who are going through the divorce. And so my role as an MHP is to facilitate the team meetings um, but I also find a little almost more important is to be there for mom and dad to help them um, create their very unique, tailored, individualized, customized Parenting plan for their family. And um, if there are grown children, you can still have an MHP and still talk about a parenting plan on really still how to share your children post divorce and your holidays, <laughs> um, even if they're grown. And so, um, but the mental health professional is there ultimately to support um, the husband and wife or the couple, right? Because um, I've been very honored to be able to work on cases with um, two moms or two dads. And so, we're really there to support um, the family, the parents, help their relationship as a marital unit come to an end and transition into healthy co-parents.
0: One of the things I think a lot of people don't know or understand about the collaborative divorce process is the fact that um, it is it works with a team. So people often think that, you know, we get along, everything's agreed, so we're gonna do this collaboratively. and. And that is one use of the word collaborative. But when we talk about the collaborative divorce process, we're actually talking about A different way of really resolving conflict and so a lot of families who come into the collaborative divorce process may not necessarily see eye-to-eye on everything they don't necessarily agree on everything Um, but that's why they have a team so they each have their own lawyers and then they we have the mental health professional who you're not some people think oh you're a therapist for the couples but you're not really working as a therapist right So that is correct.
1: Um, When there is a mental health professional, whether a master level counselor or licensed social worker or or a clinical psychologist or an LMFT, right, um, our role is not to provide therapy. In fact, our participation agreement that you signed when you enter into the collaborative process is very clear on what my role is. Um, it is a forensic role and so I do think it requires some additional training. It is not therapy. You do not create treatment goals. You are not addressing mental health issues, right, as a clinician. You are there to support the family, um, support the parents in creating their parenting plan, facilitating the team meetings, um, more importantly, helping with communication, conflict resolution. You do manage the feelings, right, in the room, um, so there's obviously coaching and um a lot of clinical skills are used because there is a lot of conflict in divorce, there's a lot of feelings, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness and anger, which is all normal, um, but it is not therapy. Um, and so that's the role of the MHP kind of in a nutshell is to you know develop and create the parenting plan and support the couple from beginning to end. Um, If I may, I'd like to take two seconds and explain, there is another role and um, I am very honored to be a part of the role up here in North Texas, but I know it is new um, to some other counties around the state and not being utilized in some counties at all. But there is the role of the child specialist. Um, And so that is also a mental health provider. And so again, it is not therapy and the role of the child specialist is to interview the children just to obtain their voice. It is to ask forensically-based questions regarding parenting plan, like option development on how families can share their children, and provide that feedback back to the team so that information can just be gathered and shared, so that information the parents can take into consideration as they make all decisions about their family.
0: It's um, it's a very important role, and I think it's an important topic for us to talk about is what should the children's role be when parents are getting divorced? I know a lot of parents think, you know, well, I think the children should decide, you know, where where they're going to be spending their time. What feedback do you have for parents when it comes to kind of allowing the children to be the decision makers?
1: Great question. I've had a lot of families over the years ask me that. Um, And of course, I know there's always outliers to any answer. So I'm just talking about kind of the middle part of the bell curve, right? Um, I do truly believe that children should not be the decision maker, um, even when they're 16. Or 17, uh, because they're still the child of the divorce, and so I do believe parents should choose where their children live and when. The older children are, I think, the louder of a voice they should have. Children, parents, I think, really should listen to what their children's worries are, fears, what their thoughts are, their feelings, their concerns. Um, you know how to take their schedule right, because I talk a lot with teenagers about. Yes, your parents have chosen to divorce and you didn't get a vote in that. And so they feel like, well, this is affecting my life. And I validate that's absolutely true. Divorce does impact our children. So when they feel heard, when their questions are answered, when they're able to say to their parents, my extracurriculars are this. Where does my hockey gear go or my cheer information or my band equipment? Um, when their needs are heard, addressed, and met, and factored into how the family manages the possession schedule or the parenting plan, as we call it and collaborative, when we take all that information and build that in and customize a plan that works for parents and it meets their work schedules and their family life, but it also accommodates what the children's, especially our teenagers, what their concerns were with how it impacts their daily life, then that's where you really get the the best outcome.
0: So, um, and I, I'm just, I'm bringing this up because, you know, if, if you've not gone through a divorce, and of course you've not gone through hundreds of divorces like <laughs> we have um, in professional life, you know, a lot of this seems kind of unnatural that, well, why not just bring the children into the collaborative divorce process? Why not invite them into a session where we can all sit around the table and hear from children um, in terms of what they want? And and what is your response to that? Why do we need another professional as a child specialist as opposed to just having the children join us for a session
1: well that's a a great question um i haven't met very many children (laughs) over my, my close to 20 years that would want to sit down with mom and dad and and two attorneys and say hey mom and dad this is what i want and this is how i feel i find that um I find that once children feel safe with a a neutral mental health professional and they feel like they can trust the process and they understand. So when I first meet, whether the kiddos are seven or 17, I explain what collaborative law is and I explain how it is not therapy. And I explain that what they share with me, I'm going to share back with their parents. So I go through there's, while collaborative is a confidential process, the things that they say to me that gets shared to the parents isn't confidential. and so when i really explain and help them understand process i find like i ask open-ended questions what do you want your parents to know about this divorce that's impacting you what do you want your parents to take into consideration what is most important to you in keeping the relationship you have with mom and, and dad you know and so i don't ask them you know do you want expanded standard or do you want week on week off i don't necessarily ask those types of questions i talk more about relationship needs their academics their friends their just really more questions about their life mm. so the parents can take their thoughts, their opinions, and customize that schedule to meet everyone's needs. Um, I don't know very many teenagers <laughs> even that would wanna sit down with attorneys. I love you guys, but I find, um, I find they really, they wanna be heard, um, but I don't know that they are really at a place at that developmental stage to be able to be that strong and confront their parents that way.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things we know is that children, generally speaking, want to please parents and want to tell parents what they want to hear. And that's why sometimes when parents come to me and say, you know, well, my child says that they want to be with me all the time, I always I have to kind of stop and, and address that with my clients because we really don't want parents putting pressure on children to voice what the parent wants to hear. And that's why I think it's so beneficial to have a role uh, with somebody who is skilled and trained um, and has spent years of training to really know how to have those conversations with the children in a way that um, makes the children feel safe and where they can share information. And some of that information may be hard for parents to hear. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have, uh, I've heard
1: many times uh, where, you know, kiddos want to make their parents happy. And that, I mean, shoot, I'm 45. And <laughs> I still want my parents to be happy, right? Like, I think we are fundamentally hardwired to love our parents. And I, I just truly believe that, that we we are, are, are truly born wanting to love and wanting to please our parents. And so when the family is going through a stress, I think children see their parents grieving. They, they know the marital relationship has come to an end and they're grieving the death of that marriage and when children see their parents fighting or even fighting behind closed doors and they don't hear the conflict directly they still feel it they sense it they they
0: know mom and dad are grieving (laughs) so they're little emotional sponges that just soak up whatever it is and
1: and they want their parents to be happy they organically love their families i just truly believe that and um and so I have to sit with kids and let them know, like, you have one hour or three hours or four hours. It, it's, as a child specialist, it's a very limited role. As a mental health neutral, you're there through the entire process. So it, it, it is a much more encompassing role. Um, but as a child specialist, you know, I am there just to obtain the information. And I have found at the end, a lot of the, a lot of the teenagers especially, but, but the littles too, they feel relief. They felt heard they had their questions answered. They asked me a ton of questions. Some of them I can't answer and have to tell them that's inappropriate. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna answer questions about your, your parents' financial estate or we're not you know, I'm not gonna answer why the divorce is happening mm-hmm. because that's between a husband and a wife. Um, and I you know we do try to boundary. Um, but one of the things that especially teenagers tell me they're very grateful for in the role of the child specialist is that I am able to answer their questions that are developmentally appropriate. Um, I have always heard, um, you know, kids want to know and they'll ask really inappropriate questions, right? They'll push as far as they can. And I always talk about, right, once the genie's out of the bottle, we can't put it back in. Teenagers think they wanna know everything about divorce. <laughs> um, I tell them they really don't wanna know. What what they're searching for is is closure and answers mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to process and so, most of them when you answer the majority of their questions that are age appropriate, they still get that relief without getting the nitty gritty of the information that belongs truly privately to husbands and wives.
0: Um, The other thing I think that is so important for people to realize is that um, it is, we do see it. It happens where children, um, are kind of get played as a pawn. And you know, nobody, nobody comes into the divorce process saying, I'm gonna use my children. But if we're not careful, uh, it can happen where children feel like they're being used as the pawn in the process. And that's why I think um, one of the great things about collaborative divorce is you know, understanding how sensitive and vulnerable children are in the process but giving a really healthy way to have the voice. So I think, it's, I think it's a great process. I've had the benefit of working with you in your role as the child specialist and, um, and have seen firsthand how impactful that was for, for the family as a whole. One of the things um, that we talk about is, you know you need to know you have options when you're facing divorce. And so collaborative divorce is a different option for families, it differs from litigation. You also work with families in the litigation process. Do. What do you see as some of the biggest takeaways um, in terms of what the different processes offer families? And that's a big question. <laughs> it is a
1: big question, and I think it is such an important question. Um, again, I'm going to kind of talk about the bell curve, right? And there are always families on either end of the bell curve. That litigation is truly the only answer. Um, I, I, I my career started at Child Protective Services. I've, I've worked on many cases with family violence, or um, some form of an addiction, or child abuse. And you know, there are families that I think really do need protective orders and a litigation mindset, and they need a judge enforcing and setting those types of boundaries so everyone remains healthy and safe. And more importantly, the family can get the court-ordered services that are are necessary for the family to transition and hopefully become as healthy as they can. So when you take out some of those outliers and you look at the the remaining of the bell curve or or the pot, right? um, I think collaborative divorce, personally, um, spending almost 20 years in litigation, I think collaborative divorce is always going to be a better process. Um, when families are in charge, when parents are in charge of their outcomes. And that's what I love most about Collaborative. It uses what we call the roadmap. And the roadmap is a, it's a true um, conflict resolution model. It is a information gather. We look through that information. We option develop. We rule out the options that don't meet our needs best and we come to a conclusion. And what I love about that model is that whether you're talking about your financial estate, or you are talking about your children? You're information gathering. You're looking at all the options you have. And what I love about collaborative is we can create any option. There is no, there is no end to our creativity, <laughs> and. I know for you as well as for me, I have seen families that are very complicated. <laughs> Their children are extremely busy. You have two you know, working parents. Um, even sometimes both families travel, both parents travel, right? And so we have to really create a parenting plan that takes care of everyone's needs. And I am grateful for the courthouse. There is definitely a time and place for the courthouse. And um, not being a lawyer, but hearing you guys say all the time, right? You really live inside the code, right? The family code is what governs governs you guys. Um, What I love about collaborative is that we can really think outside the box, customize and create a parenting plan or a financial estate, whatever the division of those assets are, that meets the parents' needs that I know you guys say (laughs) leads to very creative um, drafting and divorce decrees. But it does allow us to take care of every concern that a parent has and develop options around that concern and find a resolution to it. whether it's um, safety nets, mm-hmm. um, a couple, you know, just like some some examples, um, cases with addictions, um, we've built beautiful parenting plans um, to safeguard against relapse. And there's a lot of, I think we call it if or when language mm-hmm. in parenting plans, right? And so, rather there's, um, you know, inappropriate parenting or discipline or addictions or mental health. And we can really customize if and when language that if something were to happen in the future, here is your entire plan that is already laid out to protect you and figure out, here's how you're going to deal with that. So by the time the divorce comes to an end, the parties that are divorcing know that I've already got an entire customized built-in safety net to address the concerns that led me to divorce. And so that is the beauty to me. Ultimately, the beauty of collaborative is whatever the concern is, we can find a way to address it, remedy it to the best of our ability, and um, create if and when language that gives the family
0: protection post-divorce. I love that. I, I think people don't realize that the family code really is sort of a one size fits all. You know, when we go into litigation, you know, the judge is gonna hear the case and the judge is limited by the family code in terms of what they can impose for the family, and in collaborative, you really are creating um, a, an outcome that is very specific to your family in addressing your needs. And I love in collaborative how we start by, the very first thing we ask people is, what do you want out of this? What's important to you and why do you want it? And we're having conversations in the collaborative force context that we just don't have when we're in litigation. And so, while there is definitely a need for litigation, I think so many families can be so much better served in um, in a divorce process that actually is trying to help make their family situation the very best it can be at the end of the divorce.
1: One of the things that I love most about being the neutral mental health, um, when I'm not in the role of the child specialist, um, one of the very first things that I do, we talk a lot about your goals, and we'll ask each you know each parent um, or husband and wife, right? They don't have to have kids. They can they can be you know a um, A a no-child family, right? And um, one of the things that I always ask is, what are your goals post-divorce? What are your goals for this process? And we've evolved that into asking about expectations. What are your expectations um, of the process, the attorneys, your professionals? What are the expectations of what this relationship would look like post-divorce? And so the other thing we talk a lot about is the genuine interest and your needs. Not necessarily just, I want the house, I understand <laughs> that you want the house, tell me right. tell me more. And that's what truly I love about collaborative is I, we get to ask questions, tell me more, help me understand what does the house mean to you? What is it about the house? Because I find in my litigation cases, a lot of time we get really stuck on positional thinking i want but we're not in an environment to be able to ask help you know really understand help me understand what that want is truly about because a lot of times it may not be about the house itself it's Mm -hmm. about you know the consistency for the children or it could be i you know i don't want to impact you know more change on them there is so much more that goes into typically i want and Collaborative allows us to really get into understanding what that want is. So as you information gather and option develop, part of the job at the MHP is to always come back and be talking about those goals, expectations, needs, those genuine interests. Mm -hmm. So by the time they get to the end of the roadmap and the conclusion of the divorcing process, one of the questions I always ask at the end is, did we meet your expectations? Mm -hmm. Have your needs been addressed? Your goals, were they satisfied? And a lot of times families will tell me, it didn't look the way that I thought it would, right? The outcome was able to evolve into something they hadn't thought of yet, because that's the beauty of the team. You have such skilled, collaborative attorneys. Your financial neutral, who is such an important part of the process to option develop around the estate, and then you have the MHP and sometimes the child specialist to all be creatively problem solving to ensure everyone's needs are met. And I, I don't know that that always happens at the courthouse the way that I wish it did. <laughs>
0: Well, unfortunately, I think when we're going into the courthouse, we just were in an adversarial model where, where you know, you're know you going to argue your position, the other side's going to argue their position, the court's going to pick a winner. Um, sometimes there's a little winning here and a little losing there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's much more of a win-lose game where when we are all working together and collaborative, we are really looking for solutions and helping families learn conflict resolution skills because they get to take that with them when it's all done because um, likely after the divorce is over, they probably will have some issues down the road. Right. But now they have the skills and contacts, um, and they can continue working with the mental health professional post divorce uh, as a parenting uh, coordinator, right? Yes, yeah, so I are we were on the same, same <laughs>
1: uh, thought process there. Yes, um, one of the things that I, I do feel like is, is a beautiful part of collaborative is if you know if the family chooses, they can keep their LMHP as their parent coordinator for all post-divorce um, conflicts should that arise. Um, so, again, that kind of goes back to that safety net. You have a third-party neutral, um, which I, I don't ever pick a side, and I'm very clear on that, and I do everything I can to use my clinical skills to ensure that they know that I'm not aligned with mom or with dad. Um, my job is to be there to give them a safe space to talk about what the conflict is. Um, options around that and it uses I use the same problem solving um, process the same roadmap um, to come to conclusions in hopes to avoid any post-divorce modifications and then I have you know I have been very blessed um, to work with so many families over the years that you know they they're three when their children divorce and now their children are fourteen <laughs> and the parenting plan that they had is is not functional. It's it's not appropriate anymore. And they don't want to go back to court or they you know they don't want to re-engage completely in the collaborative process. So a parenting coordinator, as long as it's all done by agreement, right? Mm-hmm. Parents can share their children however they choose as long as they both agree. And it's it's a it's a beautiful safety net as a parenting coordinator Um, especially with the littles. So parents know they've got an entire process, you know, such runway for any future needs that come up that they haven't been able to project. And they just know there is a neutral, confidential, that's the other beautiful side of parent coordination and collaborative laws, very confidential per the statute, right, Um, to give them a safe place to talk about whatever needs to be discussed.
0: Well, I want to thank you again, Jennifer, for coming and sharing your experience and your wisdom and making yourself available to help families. We'll include information about how people can find you and your website um, if they want to learn more uh, about your practice. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me again.